This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries, where we address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring you biblical truths despite what the popular movements or networks of the day teach, or those wacky dispensationalists that believe the left-behind books are theologically sound. You really made me read that. Okay. We are on Patreon. So if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. We have a variety of plans for your choice. If you would like to just donate money to us, we appreciate that as well. Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3 nonprofit ministry, so your donation is tax deductible. Reach out to us for how you can donate. And a website is in the works. It's not here yet, but it is in the works. Website coming soon. So, as already stated, welcome to Matter of Theology. I am here with my boys in the hoods, Chris yep. and Drew Bonita. Yep. Word. Um, yep. Chris has a last name too. It's Huff. They aren't a couple. It's not Chris and Drew Vanita. It's Chris Huff and Drew Vanita. Just want to clarify that for all our listeners listening. Now, with that, qualification what are we talking about today guys we're talking about the subject of biblical counseling <laughs> we are yes subject uh, about biblical counseling so kind of what happened is we had a plan to talk about something else and then the guys were like oh man we need more time josh can you bloviate on something for a half hour and i thought there's literally only one thing i can bloviate. do that on. <laughs> yeah i did you like that word? Yeah. I love that word. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about biblical counseling today. Um, and what's interesting about biblical counseling, right off the bat, I will say it is a topic that is not uh, short of controversy, even within reformdom. So we're not talking about a topic here that is uh, widely accepted. There is a growing acceptance for biblical counseling, especially as our society moves further and further away from scripture. But uh, biblical counseling uh, or newthetic counseling is another word for it. Uh, Nuthetio is Greek, means to admonish or encourage. So what biblical counseling is, it is counseling that is centered around specifically counseling from the word of God as your primary source and only the word of God. Um, so it is different than regular, what would be known in culture today and many churches as Christian counseling. Uh, it is somewhat of a frustration of mine or I don't know if frustration is the right word, but, but more, more saddened uh, that we have to have a distinction between Christian counseling and biblical counseling, but they are two very different things. So we have to, draw the line and we have to define our terms. Um, so now what's the difference between biblical now, now I know biblical, you just said, or, or newthetic counseling is, is primarily focused on the word of God. Right. But what, what's, how does that differ from Christian counseling? Because shouldn't Christian counseling be coming from the word of God? 
you would think yeah yeah and and not to say that that christian counseling does not involve the word of god it does but there are there are a lot of distinctions between christian counseling and biblical counseling um one of the main distinctions is that christian counseling uh is at its core uh, freudian psychology is what it is so it takes the more um integrated is another word for it integrating scripture and psychology together and it brings them both together um, and uses the Freudian techniques, the psychology and the, the beliefs and the standards and the, uh, the, um, the just, just the basic tenets of psychology in counseling and will sprinkle scripture in it. Gotcha. So it's kind of like, uh, uh, say like celebrate recovery in AA, right? It's just AA just with Christian language, Christianese language. Right, right. So, so Christian counseling will utilize the Freudian, you know, psychiatric psychology, uh, things like that, in order to diagnose and deal with the everyday problems that everyday people have, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they will do so through the lens, if you will, of Christianity, um, using basic Bible, uh, you know, passages or concepts. Um, but what ends up happening is that you have a fundamental difference in how Christian counseling will view an issue versus how biblical counseling will view an issue. Now this is, it's specifically within the realm of mental or spiritual issues. The Hmm. biblical counselor, um, contrary to a lot of popular belief, if somebody comes in with a physiological issue, there's something that's actually physi- physiological about their issue. Uh, they have low blood pressure or uh, you know, they're, they're, they're having an imbalance in uh, their health in some way. The, the, the biblical counselor isn't going to just smack them over the head with a Bible and say, you, know, you need to get better. Um, so there's a lot of critiques that are thrown against biblical counseling uh, mm. And those critiques are widely based off of misinformation or assumptions that are being made off of those that are making the critiques. Um, so biblical counseling has as its main, uh, what do you say, its main focus, um, the sufficiency of the word of God. Uh, and when I talk about the sufficiency of the word of God, I'm not just talking about its sufficiency in giving us what we need to know about salvation. Although that is what it does, right? Right. uh, Scripture, all we need to know about God, who he is and how we are to be saved is found in scripture. Amen. Um, I also believe that scripture has all we need to heal the brokenness of this world, Amen. Uh, the brokenness of our souls, the brokenness of our minds, uh, the brokenness of our hearts. Hmm. Um, and I believe this because of who the author of scripture is. Absolutely. So when we're talking about counseling, uh, and this is again, a very hot topic and there's going to be, like I said before, there's people e- even within reformedom that will disagree with me on this that will disagree with us because for some reason there is a mentality out there that separate the issues of the soul and the issues of the mind Mm. and believe that scripture has what is needed to heal and speak to the issues of the soul. But when it comes to the issues of the mind, the psyche, things like anxiety, things like depression, things like uh, even physical, you know, uh, um, things that lead to eating disorders, things that lead to drug addiction, things that lead to to self-harm, to uh, suicidal tendencies, that those type of issues need to be viewed and dealt with in a separate arena from scripture. And sorry, Chris, go ahead. You were going to say something? Well, no, I, you know, um, everything you're saying just it reminds me a lot of um some of the things that uh, that i've been studying 
Um, I've been reading Dr. John MacArthur's book, Ashamed of the Gospel. And in that book, he he dives into um, the the pragmatic psychological um, aspect and view of how churches are are run. And you look at how what you're saying in relation to biblical counseling versus Christian counseling, how that correlates as well to where you see uh, the seeker, like for instance, the, the, the seeker friendly, really non gospel sharing churches that are more focused on entertaining than they are uh, shepherding truly. Hmm. Uh, you know, you, you see, you see that in the, in the counseling world as well, the Freudian psychological view uh, instead of resting in what Peter said and in second Peter chapter one saying, you know, uh, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness mm-hmm. through the true knowledge. There's a d- d- addressing the mind of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then he keeps going for by these, he granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And so Josh, I I think you nailed it when you said that it comes down to an, an issue of the sufficiency of scripture as it pertains to not just salvation, but all things. Um, in, in relation to, to, to life and to godliness. So yeah, that was just yeah. some of the things I was thinking of while you were talking. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at, you know, Paul gives us a definition of what scripture is in second Timothy three, three sixteen. right? All That's scripture right. is what it's God breathed, meaning it's That's given right. from God himself. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, Amen. for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work, Mm. right? So when we're talking about the issues of the heart, the issues of the mind, um, one of the main distinctions between Christian counseling and biblical counseling is how they view those issues. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and here's the thing, anybody that's taking notes, write this down. An incorrect uh, prognosis will always lead to an incorrect prescription. That's right. Amen. Always, right? If you diagnose the issue incorrectly, your prescription for dealing with that issue is also going to be incorrect. That's right. So what biblical counseling does is it takes the theology that we know about the holiness of God, the depravity of man, and the consequences that come from that depravity, and it puts practical legs onto that theology. Mm. Right. So when we're talking about an issue, someone comes in to your house or your church or your office or wherever you are, and they say, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z. Let's take, let's take depression, depression and anxiety. Right. We all uh, struggle with that to a point, some definitely more than others. For me in high school and college, anxiety was rampant and it was, it was very debilitating in my life. Right. Mm. So take, take that, take that issue. The Christian counselor or the regular, uh, the regular psychologist will look at the anxiety and the depression as the issue itself. Mm. What we have to do is take care of this issue, get it to get you to the point to where you are not anxious and not depressed anymore, and then we've solved it. So they view the depression and the anxiety as the thing that needs to be combated. And there's a myriad of ways of dealing with that. You know, you have regression therapy. You have one of the more common ones is medication. A lot of psychotropic medications will be given in order to bring somebody out of a certain mindset or a certain feeling and put them into a different state um, by numbing senses, by increasing certain hormones, decreasing certain chemicals, whatever it is, um, in order to deal with the anxiety, deal with the impression, deal with the depression and get them out of that, right? And again, I'm not diminishing the efforts of very well-meaning and loving Christian counselors that want to help people. All right. I don't want anybody to think that I'm sitting here thinking if you're not doing biblical counseling, then you might as well just be sending everybody to hell and you hate people and you want to put them all on medication. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. I know some very godly men and women that love people and are doing everything they can to help people with these issues. And I love them very much. Um, but the difference is how we look at the issue. 
that's how the psychology and the Christian counseling will view the issue. Biblical counseling harnesses the theology that we understand about the depravity of man, the fallenness of this world, and the effects that sin has on our body. And we look at the depression and we look at the anxiety, not as the issue itself, but rather symptoms of a deeper issue that needs to be worked out. And that's awesome because, you know, you you look at, again, especially, especially inside the church, when you, when you look at, uh, you know, the, the, Stephen Lawson, like he says this all the time, that the, the, the problem, the, the problem with the heart is the condition of the heart. Mm, Um, and, and if you, if you have the right perspective right out of the gate, then, then that completely changes the way you run the race. You know, um, it, it, it absolutely does. Um, my mind is drawn to Psalm 19 when, you know, the, what the, the psalmist walks through what the word of God is, um, and what it does and how it restores the soul. It makes wise, the simple, it rejoices the heart and enlightens the eyes. It, it, it endures forever. It, um, you know, and, and we should desire that much more than gold. But I mean, just like you said, it starts with that. I remember RC Sproul talking about, uh, starting with, he used to, and walking through the five points of Calvinism, he would start people and ask how many people in the class agree with total depravity. Everybody raises their hand. And so you have to start there. Um, and of course, as he walked through it, and of course, once he got to limited atonement, it was, <laughs> yeah. Well, what it much yeah. diminished. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What it what I'm really hearing, as far as the two two approaches, Christian counseling and biblical counseling, is really not just the perspective, but and how you view the issues, but really the worldview, your worldview. So, the the Christian counselor, as well meaning as they are, they're starting with the perspective of what the world says about this issue. And, and popular science and psychology. And because that's how they went through school to, to diagnose problems, they're saying, well, because of mm-hmm. the science, this is how we have to look at this. Whereas the, the biblical counselor says, mm. the, our worldview is through scripture and who, right. who God is, what God says about our condition. And because of our condition, we therefore have to diagnose the issue based upon our nature and then work from there. Um, starting, starting with our depravity and then moving to the cross. Right. Yeah. And, and, and one of the big critiques against biblical counseling is that it's anti-science. Um, and that's, that, that's not true. Um, the problem is like you just said, Drew, is where, where's the worldview that we're starting from, right? Mm -hmm. Our culture, our society, popular psychology has the views that they do about issues such as depression and anxiety. They have those views because they have no other explanation, no other way to deal with it because they aren't viewing it through scripture, right? Right. And that's what we forget is that everyone's belief starts somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? Psychology started somewhere and it started from an unbiblical worldview of how to deal with people's issues, right? And we don't go back far enough. We, we take for granted the definitions uh, that the world has put out in terms of what qualifies as a disorder, right? Mm-hmm. And what qualifies as a mental disorder, what qualifies as a physiological mental disorder. And we have bought the definitions that society has put out there um, because one, that's, that, that's, what, that's what we say science tells us. Well, the science that created those, uh, those, those terms uh, wasn't viewing things through a biblical worldview. So, of course, they're going to come to those conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. So, biblical counseling is not anti-science. If anything, we embrace true science and what is an actual physiolo- physiological issue versus what is a mental or spiritual issue. Right? Yeah, we, can't, and- we can't separate the spirit from the mind. Right. Yeah. And when I hear you talking about defining terms as to, you know, like what is a mental disorder, it seems like like nowadays, almost everything that we would just call sin is be, is be starting to be viewed at as a mental disorder. So now you need therapy for everything. 
Right. Right. Now it just keeps the business going because everything it's, no, it's not, it's not sin. It's not your nature. It's there's something wrong with your, your mind and you need help. Therefore you need to go see a psychologist. Right. Right. So Josh, what would you say? What would you say? Some of the, and and I may be getting ahead of, Mm. of kind of what you were talking about there. So, but what would you say is um, when it comes to the, the, the type of damage that, that the, the hardcore Christian counselors do. Um, and, and, and what's your experience with having to, you know, to, to deal with that and go back and correct that. And, and how does that usually go? And I know that may be kind of a vague question. And again, you may be going to get there at some point, but that was just a question as we're talking about the, the antithetical views there Yeah, that I thought about. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know if many people know this. I, I I grew up around addicts uh, my entire life. Um, my parents ran and still run actually a biblical counseling residential ministry for girls and women to come in, uh, receive biblical counseling for about, you know, six months to a year. Um, and these girls, uh, came in from horrible, horrible backgrounds, uh, a lot of eating disorders, a lot of drug and alcohol addictions, self-harm, suicidal tendencies, prostitution, things like that. So, I grew up around these individuals my entire life and where we got them from was always without fail, the treatment centers, Mm. the psych wards, parents would mortgage their houses and go bankrupt to put their children through the $30,000 a month treatment programs to try to get their children out of this pit that they were in. And we would literally, we'd get calls from the psych ward saying, hey, the insurance money ran out. They don't have anywhere to go. Hmm. So they had come to our, our residential center, received biblical counseling. And the damage that has to be unlearned from the psychological uh, or from, from, from the psychology uh, treatment counseling is so great because what happens is the individual one is trained to view themselves as a victim Mm. is viewed to view the issues that they're dealing with as the problem instead of there being an underlying issue that is causing the symptoms causing the depression causing the anxiety and what happens uh, so often is that you end up just putting a bandaid on cancer and, and, and trying to fix it that way instead of getting in and rooting out the problem, right? Wow. So because of that, all good biblical counseling, all counseling that will provide long-lasting change, it is always, always evangelical first. And what I mean by that is that it is, you are evangelizing first. The gospel must be there because in order for change to happen, for a life to change and for that change to be lasting, it requires Jesus. Amen. It's not going to be done without him. Right. Yeah. Right. So all good biblical counseling must start with this. Look, I'm going to give you what the Bible says about what you're going through. But if you don't have the Holy spirit in order to apply that to your life, it is going to be behavior modification at best. And it's not going to last because you you have to have a new heart because if you just take away what somebody is struggling with the idol of the heart, right? Mm -hmm. If you take that away and you don't replace it with Jesus, they might do better in that certain area, but what's going to happen. They're automatically going to go find a new idol. Yeah. Because yep. our hearts are made to worship. That's, why, that's how they were created. We're either going to yeah. create, we're either going to worship God as we were created to do, or we're going to worship ourselves and our own, our own desires. Mm. Right? So all good biblical counseling has to be evangelical first. The gospel has to be in and out throughout the entirety of it. Because without the gospel, without Jesus Christ, no lasting change is actually going to happen. You're going to have behavior modification. That's all it's going to be. Mm. So when you're dealing with people that are struggling with issues, I don't want to be clear. Another critique against biblical counseling is that we think that all issues stem from sin. That's not true. That's not true at all. We don't believe that. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a story about a guy that uh, 
that came in for counseling and he's struggling with real bad depression. I like, couldn't get out of bed some days, just really bad, really down, all tired all the time. And they went through the steps. All right, let's see, you know, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? No. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, you know, anything going on at work, anything going on in your marriage, you know, they worked through everything and everything checked out. Everything was going fine. He was in his church. He was involved doing great. Finally, the biblical counselor is like, okay, you know what? Do me a favor. Go to your just regular uh, medical doctor, your regular physician and get a checkup. Just go get a full checkup. The guy did that. Turns out he had like super low blood sugar. So he got on some blood sugar medications and it, and he was fine and it fixed it, right? So the biblical counselor does not view every issue as a sin issue. That's not true. However, well, look at, look at Spurgeon. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Look, look at Spurgeon. Look at how mm-hmm. much he struggled with depression. Oh yeah. Um, you know, th- th- there's a, there's a great example on that. Man, that's a great point too, about what our bodies from a, from a physiological standpoint, you've said that a few times, uh, what our bodies and how that can affect, um, our minds and it, and it, so it, it yeah, man, that's a, that's right. a, that's a good call. Right. So, so we have what are called, uh, psychosomatic symptoms, psyche, meaning the mind, soma, meaning the body, right? So our minds are very, very powerful. And if something's out of whack in the mind, if our thinking is incorrect about something, it will affect our bodies, right? That's why when you're anxious or you're worried, your stomach gets upset, your hands get cold, you might get headaches, it's because our mind is sending those messages to our body saying there's something wrong. It's a warning system, right? So when we get that anxiety, we get that depression, it's our body's way of warning us there's something out of whack. Instead of the way psychology will view it as, well, you're depressed, let's, let's get rid of the depression. It's like, no, 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 that's telling you there's something wrong. There's something that needs to be fixed, right? So biblical counseling looks at the issues through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of what we know about man, and it will apply the word of God as the remedy for that problem, right? So it views sin as sin, and it believes that scripture alone is the authority, and scripture alone has the remedy for that individual. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right? So... When talking about biblical counseling, when we're, we're trying to figure out, it's like, okay, how do we diagnose this problem? How do we diagnose this problem? How do we diagnose this problem? Society has drilled it into our minds, and it's crept into the church as well, that in order to competently deal with issues of the mind or issues of the heart, right? I'm, I'm going to keep them together because they are together. I don't like Absolutely. the separation, right? Absolutely. Uh, we're required to have lots of degrees and lots of letters behind our names. And that's what qualifies us to speak to the individual. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you are thinking, wow, uh, that's not me at all. I don't feel equipped whatsoever to help people with the issues that they have. Um, I will... I'll tell you this, if you have the Holy Spirit within you and you have a Bible, you have all you need to help those that are struggling. And I say that because of this, even within biblical counseling, there are no super counselors. I have seen biblical counseling do things that I did not think were possible in the lives of individuals that are struggling lives completely turned around for forever. I, I've seen it. It, it, it. it is amazing, but it's not me and it's not the counselor. It is the resource that we are using in scripture. That's what Amen. does it, right? So if you are a Christian, trust in the sufficiency of scripture and trust in the ability of the Holy Spirit to apply that scripture where it needs to be applied. Come on. Okay, because that is what biblical counseling at the end of the day is. It is utilizing the Holy Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict and transform through the Word of God, right? So we need to be very, very careful not to fall into the trap of society and think that in order to speak into my friend's depression or in order to speak into my friend's anxiety, 
or someone's self-harm or self-image issues or drug addictions that I need to go to school for six years in order to do that, right? Issues of the mind are issues of the heart. If somebody comes in struggling with drug addictions, they have a worship disorder. That's what it is. It isn't a mental disorder. And yeah. as, as hard as this is to hear, and I want to say this as lovingly as possible, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, they aren't diseases. Huh. And they are categorized as diseases in our society so much. The disease that we have is a disease of the heart. It is a total depravity. It is our sinful nature. That is the disease that is causing a worship disorder, right? right? The problem with the problem that I have with things like, um, uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous, AA or NA, there's a lot of individuals in those, uh, in those, those, uh, those treatments, um, those programs, excuse me, uh, that, that love, love people and want to help people so much. And there are some amazing people in those programs. The problem is Alcoholics Anonymous shackles people to their disease. Yeah. It shackles people to their addiction. Because in their opening things, they say, hi, my name is Josh. I've been an alcoholic for 27 years. I've been sober for 13 years. Well, then you're not an alcoholic anymore, right? right. We have forgotten that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. New creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are no longer defined by the passions of your flesh. You are, de you are defined by the righteousness that has been given you by Christ. And it leaves well, people. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, man. No, no, I, dang it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off because you were no. on a roll. Go for uh, it. Well, I, I just want to go back to something that you said too um, about uh, you know you don't need all these letters behind your name. You don't need um, you, you don't need to go to school for six years. You know, I mean, Paul Paul says in Galatians, you who are spiritual, if one if one is 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 fallen away, if if one is struggling, Second uh, Corinthians one, God of all comfort. Um, you know, he comforts us so that we can comfort, uh, Galatians six, you who are spiritual, not you who are spiritually mature, not you who have been to school for, uh, for 16 years, uh, and are about to start seven more. Um, it's you who are spiritual, you, and I love the way you said that you who the whole, the Holy spirit lives inside of you, um, and will apply that perfect, all sufficient, infallible and inerrant word of God to every situation. Um, and then, and then to get you back where you were going, uh, cause I cut you off and I'm very sorry about that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, absolutely. We, a new life in Christ. Um, uh, we don't presume upon the grace of God, uh, and just live the way we want to live because that would be licentiousness and antinomianism, but we rest in the grace of God for those moments that we do fall. We do struggle with the temptation and the sin of addiction, whatever the, that, that may be. Um, there, his mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've experienced grace on top of grace, um, especially as, 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 as adopted children of God. Um, so man, I love where you're going and I feel so bad that, cause I think there's no, 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 no. That, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you have, if you have the view that, you know, once an addict, always an addict, uh, you are chained to that part of your life forever. There's no freedom in that. There's no change of identity in that. There's no hope in that because you are constantly thinking about that you're an addict, right? And we, when we enter into the throne room of grace, we do so with confidence, not confidence in our ability, not confidence in our efforts or in our work or our identity, confidence in that I am looking and pointing to the person of Christ and saying, I am here because he bought me. Mm, right. Amen. So we, when viewing these issues, viewing the issues of the mind, viewing addiction, viewing depression, anxiety, we do a disservice when we view them simply as diseases that need to be medicated. Instead, what we should be doing is viewing them as issues of the heart that are stemming from a deeper issue. And that issue is always, always a worship disorder. It is always a person's need for Jesus Christ. Right. So that is a, that is a like 50,000 foot overview of what biblical counseling is. And I'm sure that this has like 
people probably have way more questions than, than, than anything. Maybe you're listening to this and you're just really, really like pissed off at me. (laughs) (laughs) If so, I'm sorry. Um, I have no ill will toward you at all. Um, I just, I have seen what works. I've seen what doesn't work. And through that, I have really come away with an ironclad conviction that the word of God and the gospel is the only thing that brings long and lasting change. Mm, Things like medication, things like regression therapy, uh, things like programs, 10 step programs, 30 step programs, they will, they will bring temporary change to the situation. You may feel better. That is for sure. But what's going to happen is that change is not going to last. It's Mm. not going to be, there's not going to be no longevity there because it's not rooted in anything substantial. It needs to right. be rooted in scripture, in the gospel. It needs to be rooted in Christ. Yeah. Um, and talking about things that don't work, um, there is a somewhat of a counseling, I use that term loosely, methodology out there. Um, and trigger warning uh, for both Chris and Josh. This oh, no. comes out of Bethel. And it is, it has been infiltrated in many, many churches and is, it's that of Sozo prayer, the healing prayer rooms where people have, and I don't, I don't know if you've, if you know anything about this, Josh. They closed those for Corona, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they did. Yeah. Ironically, uh, it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. But this is where people who... And it started with people who went to the school of supernatural ministry. You know, they would have these issues. They would have depression. They would have anxiety. They would have these these mental issues, and they would go seek sozo prayer. And what they would have is they would have some kind of a su- pseudo doctor uh, mm-hmm. diagnose them or or attempt to spiritually cleanse them. And what it what it does is it takes the person back and tries to reveal past traumas that they have experienced to in order to reveal something that would cause their current state of being. And uh, in reading, if you, you, you can go read some of just the horror stories that have come out because there have been families that have been ripped apart because of this. Mm. One, one story I read in particular was a girl went – because she was suffering with anxiety and what ended up happening was this, whoever doctor that was talking to her told her that when she was a child, she suffered a physical abuse from her father. Well, the authorities ended up getting involved and come to find out none of this was ever even true. Oh my gosh. Um, And it ended up just tearing family apart. Um, so this is, I mean, it's nothing to play around with. Um, no. Because people, especially with, with people like Bethel, who we have, or, have already been exposed um, as, as a false ministry, false teachers that do nothing but harm, um, you, you see the type of harm that it does. And it does, it's not just leading people astray. It's actually leading people astray and then ripping families apart as well. Um, mm-hmm. But these stories are out there, and you can go, you can go read them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's in that that's an attempt to be overly spiritual and not biblical, because right. once you get into that, you're actually tapping into paganism. Well, yeah. and it's 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 spiritual worship, but it's not the it's not the <clears throat> type of spirit you want to worship, right? Yeah. And and you know, I, I mean, we've we've look. <sighs> We we have talked about Bethel so much, um, and 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 I and I, and I think we've done a pretty good job at kind of kind of look. We've said what we need to say, and and, and you know let, let, let's let's you know keep our eyes forward. I mean, but this is exactly why. This is exactly th- th- this speaks to the the issue um, of of not holding the sufficiency of Scripture. This speaks right. to the issue right. of continuing to support. Um, continuing to support organizations like that and the, and the medium that you're supporting them through is through the music. 
because that's what's out there. That's what's most popular. You know, you look at the Jesus Culture records, the Bethel Music records, the Kim Walker Smiths, the Stephanie Greitzer, whatever her name is. Um, you look at when they get involved and they start riding with Chris Tomlin. They start riding with Jason Ingram. They start riding with Phil Wickham. And you look at these big names that draw people and they get paid, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And all they are doing is work that is antithetical to Christ. It is anti-Christ. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it is heart-wrenching. That is true injustice. Mm-hmm. When it comes to yeah. biblical justice, that's injustice. Yeah. And and here's here's kind of their justification is and why it's called sozo prayer is because sozo bozo me- prayer should be called bozo prayer. Bozo, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it, they take it because sozo means, or a, a, a definition within the semantic domain means healing. But sozo, as used in scripture, doesn't just mean healing. It means our spiritual salvation. Um, so if you attempt to do some sort of counseling or some sort of mental healing that is completely void of biblical teaching and as it relates to biblical salvation you're not doing anyone any benefit well i think i think josh has really spoken to that and 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 talking about this i mean that's you're not doing anything because it's what is what is our standard the standard Mm -hmm. is the word of god it it I read that in Second Peter earlier. It is where we find all things as it pertains to life, life and godliness, life. Yeah. Um, and and to, and Josh, I know you said you, you know it felt like it was a fifty thousand foot view, but I thought it was an excellent fifty thousand foot view because it's true. It, it everything has to start with the worldview. Everything mm-hmm. has to start with sola scriptura. That's where we have to begin. And yeah. and and and. The, Obviously, sozo prayer and 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 anything that Bethel does with that, it's it's not going to be, it's not going to be based in sola scriptura. So you know, one of the things that I was going to ask and bring up along along these lines is, you know, uh, just kind of starting a dialogue and, and conversation about the importance of pastors first and foremost. Uh, to quote Tom Buck and Dr. Josh Bice, or Dr. Tom Buck now, he's a doctor now, uh, that, um, you know, as go, you know, so goes the pulpit, so goes the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a pastoral standpoint, this speaks to the importance of expository, true expository preaching from the pulpit, but then also a pastor's responsibility, a pastor's responsibility, not just to get up on stage and preach, but to be a biblical counselor to yes. his sheep. So, so I w- in preparation for this show, um, I was thinking about something, you know, a, a couple of days ago when we talked about it. Um, and I was thinking about the role of a pastor or the voices of a pastor when he gets into the pulpit. And a pastor should have several different voices. He should have one to scare off the wolves, one to call the sheep, one to warn the sheep, but then another to tend to and care for the sheep from the pulpit. So a part of the role of a pastor, and especially through the uh, exposition of the scripture into the application of the scripture, needs to be that counseling from the pulpit. Absolutely. And that, and that comes from, that comes from uh, shifting your verbs, right? One of the ways that you get that is shifting your verbs. You know, it's it's uh, it's not just indicative, 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 indicative. It's right. it's right. indicative. It's imperative. It's interrogative. It's mm-hmm. it's your 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 the you're interacting. So what? Right. You're interacting. You know, you're preaching uh, from the whole man to the whole man, right. and as Martin Lord Jones would say, and so it's you're absolutely right, man. It's 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 also doing that. The so what. Um, from, it isn't just, Hey, we're just telling a story and explaining this text. It's, you know, it's, it's stopping and it's asking those questions. So what does that mean for you? You know, I mean, that was one of the things when I preached for the men's muster is I kept coming to at the end of the points that I feel like the Lord gave me, it was, was just so, so how are you doing with this? How are you bearing one another's burdens? Who's, whose weights are you shouldering? Um, are you doing, and and are you doing so with gentleness or is it a burden to you? You know what I mean? Like, so uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a good so, call. so, so that's, I, I think that's a good call from, from the pastor's standpoint, because I don't think there are enough pastors that counsel from the pulpit, but at the same time, Josh, 
um, the role of just the believer him, themselves. It, is there a point where the believer is to continuously as well be a biblical counselor? Right, because you, you mentioned you don't have to have a million letters behind your name. It's a Bible and the Holy Spirit. So, at, can I say I love it that you said that, man? That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, what biblical counseling is at the end of the day is just intensive discipleship. That's what it is. Um, it's viewing the issues and the struggles that we have through a biblical worldview and using the Bible to deal with those issues. Um, and you know, I will I will piggyback on what you guys said, and I will I will take it even farther. Um, that the pastor definitely needs to be counseling from the pulpit, but I think what too many pastors don't understand today is that preaching is such a small part of what it means to actually be a pastor. Just because you can preach on a Sunday morning does not mean you are a good or effective pastor. Amen. What being a good pastor is about is taking the word of God, sitting down with the parents whose kid just killed himself, sitting down with the girl who is 24 years old and 78 pounds because she is purging sitting down with the kid who's hooked on meth, whose teeth have all fallen out and he's mm. tried to kill himself and caring for them. Yeah. That's what it means to be a pastor. Mm. And I'm frankly, I'm going to do this without caging. I'm sick and tired of all the emphasis today that is put on simply preaching. And that's what it means to be a pastor. That is such a small part, such Amen. a small aspect of what it actually yeah. means to be a yeah. shepherd of God's people. Man, I'm yeah. so glad you said that because Amen. we see that so much today. And it makes me think of uh, the book Reformed Pastor, which was written from Richard Baxter's going around to each person in his congregation and simply just ministering to them every single day. He would take, what, three to five people every single day, go visit them, minister to them. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of pastors, and I've heard this. I've had conversations with these pastors. Say, you know, you know counseling is just really not my thing. I really, I really don't do counseling. Uh, and they will send their people who are struggling and come to them for help. They send them to someone that they deem more qualified in order to get at that point, I simply want to say, why are you here? Right. What do you exactly. think being a pastor right. is? What do you think being a Christian is mm -hmm. like, yes, we as Christians are called to love and care for those around us through the word of God. Anybody, if you have a Bible, you are fully mm -hmm. equipped yeah. to deal with the issues that come well, to your door. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Mm -hmm. You have the very one who inspired that word. Um, and, and, and the third member of the Trinity living inside of you. Um, so you're absolutely, he's qualified. You're not, mm -hmm. he is. Right. And, and I know that's what you meant. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. And, and to go back to what you said and, and drew to kind of piggyback on what you said as well with Richard Baxter, you know, I, I'm still reading the great, great awakening. Um, just because I just, I, I, I read a paragraph and I have to stop and it just blows me away. Um, and, but you look at Edwards, you look at Whitfield, um, uh, you look at Swinner, you look at these people, these Presbyterian pastors and ministers, um, you got Edwards, you, like I said, Whitfield, one of the things that they were doing as, as Edwards would preach sermons like sinners in the hands of an angry God. I mean, you want to talk about counseling from the pulpit. Good night. Read that sermon and know that when that sermon was preached, there was a visceral reaction from the people who were hearing it. And men like Edwards and the other pastors around were personally working with and talking to and verifying conversion. And, 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 and 
walking people through these moments of, uh, of, of whatever they were dealing with. And so it wasn't just that these, that these great giants of examples like a Calvin and, uh, and I'm reading the pastor of Kilsith right now, um, Isley Burns, you know, that these, the, these men were true shepherds. Um, it wasn't just preaching. I mean, yes, they preached some knockout sermons and sermons that we still read and see today of Spurgeon for crying out loud. Um, the prince of preachers, but he was a pastor. He was a shepherd. Uh, same thing. You hear stories about Lloyd Jones doing the same thing. Um, you know, so brother, thank you for pointing that out because that is so true. It isn't just that, you know, those who desire to be pastors and teachers desire a noble task, as James three says. It isn't. It isn't just that, that you stand up and preach. It's, and you're you're called a shepherd for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know the issues are real. Um, Biblical counseling does not claim the issues are not real. We know they're very real, and I've I have seen, uh, I've seen the darkness that sin can bring, but I've also seen the healing that comes from the gospel. So I just I want to leave some people. If you're interested in this, if you want to learn more about it, I've got some resources for you. Um, kind of the main name thrown around when talking about biblical counseling is a guy named Jay Adams. Um, if you look into Jay Adams' book, Competent to Counsel, that's kind of the main book that launched this movement, if you will. And it's a book basically telling you why you are competent to counsel. If you have the Bible, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are competent to counsel. Um, look into a, a theology of Christian counseling by a guy named Heath Lambert. That's a fantastic book. Counseling the Hard Cases by uh, Stuart Scott and Heath Lambert. Um, Jay Adams, Heath Lambert, Stuart Scott, those guys are really, really big into biblical counseling. They do an excellent job um, in explaining biblical counseling. Um, you know, Our Sufficiency in Christ by John MacArthur is a fantastic book uh, when looking into how scripture actually is able to deal with the issues that we struggle with. Um, yeah, look into Stuart Scott, Heath Lambert. Look into a book called When People Are Big and God is Small. Fantastic book. Um, just talking about how, you know, basically the fear of man and the issues that come from that. So those are some resources for you. If you guys have any other questions um, about any of that, uh, shoot, me a, shoot me a text. Shoot me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me on there pretty easy. Shoot, shoot these guys a text. They can get it over, but uh, those are some resources for y'all. Hope, uh, hope some of you guys uh, dig into those a little bit. I think, I think you will be, uh, you'll be very blessed. Nice. Nice. So that's what I got. I got nothing else. You did. You sent me, you sent me the intro. You didn't send me the outro. I don't know. I don't know how to land this ship. We're floating on an ocean and I've got the anchor and I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Man, I let someone, I I let someone else be the captain for the day. Look at that. And then the captain has to take over again. Hey, this yeah. captain's going to go down with the ship, boys. That's okay. We're, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. I like it. Good. Biblical counseling over Christian counseling. I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 Josh, and, for that's, that's and no sozo. Get that out of your church. Yeah. No, no sozo. Oh, I mean, Christian counseling over sozo for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Yeah, thanks all for listening. Thanks for letting me bloviate. I'm going to bring that word back. Appreciate it. Hopefully that gives you guys enough time to, you know, get your act together and we can actually get back on track next week, right? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. We're maybe, hey, maybe people will want a part two. You never know. Or this just made everybody mad and they're just like, no, 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 never again. Never again. (laughs) We lost all of our listeners and now it's just my mom. Look at that. In one, I really did sink the ship, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) Great. We're getting out of here. Thanks, Josh. Hey, later. Later. Later.